You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. You're listening to the Pull Box Podcast. The International Graphic Novel Book Club. Here are your hosts, Curtis Finley and Michael Cohen. Hello and welcome back to the Pullbox Podcast. This is episode 63. I am one of your hosts, Michael Cohen. And I am your other host, Curtis Findlay. Uh, cool. We are back. This this episode, we're going to talk about uh, the book Runaways, uh, Marvel Runaways, uh, uh, Volume 1, Pride and Joy. Uh, written by Brian K. Vaughan, one of my favorite comic uh, writers, and uh, and drawn by Adrian Alfonso, one of my favorite comic book artists. Um, but before we do that, let's talk about let's talk about something uh, that we've been meaning to talk about for a little while, and that is uh, I we got some merch. Woohoo! I, Real so, merch. Yeah. So uh, you may have heard us mention before heading to store.thunderquack.com to check out uh, all of the other. Uh, Thunderquack merch, but uh, but now we actually have a, a, a pullbox podcast uh, design up there, so you can get it as a T-shirt, you can get it as a phone case, you can get it on your laptop skin. Oh, uh, I, I, you could even get it on a pillowcase if you want. Oh, I want that. And uh, I, the uh, the the design itself is our catchphrase. Uh, Curtis's catchphrase to be more accurate. Uh, uh, keep, keep reading yeah, comics. Keep reading comics. So um, it doesn't say Pullbox Podcast anywhere. It just says keep reading comics. It's sort of in the Pullbox Podcast style. Yeah. Um, uh, same as the logo and everything. So, um, which is sort of the thing that I'm trying to do with all this stuff is that like I'm not. I don't want you guys to just like buy the logo for the for the podcast in order to support us. Buy a shirt that looks cool that like you don't have to explain to somebody what it's yeah from. And, and it's keep just a reading cool comic. comics. Yeah. It's just that's a that's something that I wanted to say to everybody. Yeah, so I'll wear yeah. it on on my shirt. Yeah, sure. so um, so yeah, I, I you can head there store.thunderquack.com. Uh, not only is there stuff for Pullbox uh, as we just mentioned, but you can get stuff for all basically all of our other shows. Um, I think the only show right now that maybe doesn't have anything. There's nothing up there for Frontlines yet, um, uh, because that's kind of an old podcast. But, but uh, Epic Marvel Podcast doesn't have anything yet because it's a new it's podcast. Brand new. Which you should but, check out, by the way, epicmarvelpodcast.com. It's my yep. new podcast, yeah. in case you didn't hear it in the last episode. Definitely check it out. Um, cool. Do you, want, do you want, speaking of Epic Marvel Comics... Uh, let's let's jump into uh, to Runaways. So. Sure, and this is kind of timely because as of this recording, they yeah. just kind of announced the main cast of uh, yeah. of who's going to be in their new TV show. Yeah, uh, so that's that's pretty cool, and I, it actually means nothing to me because I really don't know any of those actors the except only, for James Marsters. Yeah, James Marsters is the only name that I think that most people are going to recognize, um, and I believe he's playing Chase's father. Yeah. Um, so that'll be good. Uh, they all look the part, though. It looks like it's absolutely a, a good yeah. Cast. Um, I th- the most interesting thing about about the TV series for me is going to be like I don't I haven't looked into who's producing it, 
and what part of Marvel it's going to be a part of, if any. Right. Um, because there is a very big wrench to throw into the works, and that is the character Molly, who is a mutant. So right. there's one of two things that's going to happen. Either this is a Fox co-production, and this might be our first instance of of a mutant character showing up in the MCU if it is part of the MCU. Um, or it's not part of the MCU, um, and, and but it will have a, a mutant character in it. Or they will do to Molly what they did to uh, to Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver and just refer to her as an enhanced or something like that. Right, yeah. Um, so, so we'll kind of have to wait and see on that. Um, but... Uh, but that's we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves talking about the TV show before we've talked about the comic. Um, so Runaways, the the premise is that uh, there are how many of them? There's one, two, three, four, five, six of them. Uh, six teenagers um, who I I they their parents are all sort of well-to-do uh, fancy folks um, who get together once a year for these weird charity things that they do behind closed doors. It's all very odd. Um, and, and we join the story, uh, when I, I, our heroes, uh, discover that in fact their parents aren't holding a, a secret charity meeting behind closed doors, but are in fact super villains and they're sacrificing a young girl <laughs> so uh, in, in a weird, like, blood cult ritual. And I love um, the way that they promote it. It's like, we all yeah. think that our parents are evil, but yeah. what if they actually are evil or something yeah. like that, or something along those yeah, lines? Yeah, so that kind of propels the characters on this adventure, um, and they become the runaways because because they reject their parents' evil ways and, and, uh, and actually along the way discover that... that they kind of each have powers of their own. Now, I read this when it first came out. Yeah. And so this is kind of my second time going through it, yeah. have, not, having, not having read it since its original run. And I forgot how quickly all of that is revealed. Yeah. Like, it's actually not a secret. I thought it was a mystery that they had to uncover from my vague recollections. Yeah. But no, it just lays it right out there right at the beginning. It's not a mystery. Their parents are actually supervillains. Yeah. And they they discover that and they they just run away right away. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it actually gets into it pretty quick. Um, and, and actually we only read the first volume for this. I, uh, but we really should have read the first two cause that's the complete first story. Um, and so, uh, in rereading this, I was just reminded of how little actually is accomplished in the first volume. Yeah. It's kind of just the formation of the team. It's really just the origin story. Um, but they don't, uh, they don't really succeed in anything other than rescuing Molly at the end, uh, uh, towards the end and defeating their parents in their first sort of encounter with them. Um, but, uh, but this, this first volume is really mostly about them just sort of coming together and each discovering their, it's still incredibly interesting though, because we have a really great cast of characters. Um, and even though you say not a lot happens, the, what does happen is we learn about each of these characters. We learn about yeah. um, uh, about their family history. We learn it's just world building, really, and and they, and he does a really good job of it. Yeah, um, it like all of Brian K. Vaughn's stuff. It's very very character focused. 
so that's sort of the saving grace to it is that is that although the plot doesn't really move forward a lot in the first volume um there's so much groundwork to do with the characters and, and establishing them and, and their motivations. Yeah. And each character has a unique voice. Um, it's a great ensemble. It is ridiculous that it's taken this long for, for this TV show to come to fruition. <laughs> Cause I, uh, it just, it's built for it. Like yeah. it, it, it's, it was very obvious um, from the get go. Oh yeah. That, that this like the first time the whole I, way it, it's I was written. like, this should be a show. Yeah, this should be a TV show. This is like Buffy the Vampire Slayer or Smallville or, or anything like that. Like this is a just a great sort of coming of age teen superhero story it that is. is really more about the relationships than it is about uh, the uh, the actual superheroics. It's the perfect vessel. Yeah. yeah. So this show is going to be on Hulu. Okay. And Hulu, that's weird because Hulu's NBC, which is Universal. And NBC Universal doesn't have the rights to anything, um, so I guess maybe that's just the person. The, they're the just network. distributing it, yeah, right? Right. But, not, they but, don't own it or anything. Yeah, it's the more interesting thing will be who's producing it. Well, it looks like the executive producer is, and showrunner is Josh Schwartz. Yep, from the and OC. Stephanie Savage, OC and Gossip Girl, along yep. with Jeff Loeb as well, and uh, Jim Chori, who is behind Daredevil and Jessica Jones. So then it must be MCU because Jeff Jeff Loeb is also behind Shield, right. right? He was he was one of the initial. I don't think he was a showrunner necessarily, but but he was definitely part of the. Um, yeah, it says it's a co-production with ABC Signature Studios, and I don't know. So that means that it is Disney, which means that it's MCU. Yeah. Um, so then it'll be inter- really interesting to see how they handle Molly. Well, and that's just like, they don't have to mention mutant. It's actually no, they not don't. a huge plot point that she is a mutant. No, she just has to have superpowers. Yeah. Um, she's actually the only one. Well, that's not true. Carolina also has actual superpowers. But that's because um, she's, uh, she's, she's an, an alien. alien. Yeah. So um, that, that's actually good. Let's jump into that. So the character is actually kind of perfectly outline all of the superhero archetypes they do you have your superhuman in molly she's yeah we don't even really discover a lot of it in this volume it's not one was just two. raw born natural yeah. superhuman yeah. abilities yeah so she's she's got super strength and she's, and, a, she's a mutant and, so yeah, yeah she's a mutant so she's also like impervious and all that sort of thing um you're sort of superman uh without the flight and heat vision and x-rays and blah blah um, I, and then you've got Carolina who is an alien. She's, she's, um, do, do you remember the alien race no. that she is? Um, it's in the comics. They're in like one of the many alien races that is in a constant battle with the scrolls, um, which we learn in subsequent volumes. Um, you've got, uh, Nico Minoru who is, Magic based. Magic based, yeah. Um, you've got uh, Chase Stein, who's technology based. Yep. You have uh, I, Gertrude. Gert, who is, um, she's a, her parents are time travelers. Right. So there's a bit of technology there. There's uh, there's just a little bit of. She like, has a dinosaur. <laughs> yeah, she has a dinosaur. Um, Which will be interesting to see if they put that in the show as well. Because be very uh, interesting. That'll be very CG yeah. heavy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, and then you have Alex Wilder. We're gonna spoil some stuff here. Alex Wilder is your standard super genius, um, and 
you might think, oh, well, that's not like that. The, the super geniuses are very seldom just super geniuses when it comes to the heroes. Right. If you are just a super genius, you are more than likely, and this should have been everybody's first hint in reading the first volume. If you're a master strategist, you're probably a bad guy. <laughs> Um, because you think about things pragmatically and, and pessimistically, right. Just sort of by nature. So, um, that really should have been the first, first hint and you see it when you know it and you're going through it. This is, I think it's the third time that I've read the first volume. Um, and, and when you're sort of going through it again, you see the hints that Brian K. Vaughn is dropping that in fact, Alex is not what he seems to be. And that, that um, by the end of volume two, it turns out that he's actually manipulating the rest of the runaways. And he's actually known that his parents were supervillains for a long time. I, I, and he's just been sort of manipulating them for years yeah. into um, putting together this perfect scenario in which he can defeat his parents and... and and all that sort of thing. So um, I really should have read volume two. It's sitting on the shelf and I considered doing it. But well, and it's such a fast read. You could read it probably yeah, in half an hour or oh, something. Oh, <laughs> yeah, like a train ride? Yes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. I read this this volume on my commute into work. Um, it's sort of the polar opposite of the of the Eternal, which we which we talked about on our last episode, um, which was good. It was good that that was one of the reasons why I picked Runaways, because you know yeah. we, we we I needed the time to read one book, so let's read something that's quick, one and done sort of thing. Right. But um, but yeah, so you sort of need to read both volumes in order to really get it. Um, but uh, that's the team, and then it's really about sort of the interpersonal dynamic and the 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 sort of teen angst of it all, and and uh, it's very it's very Buffy the Vampire Slayer in that respect, um, which yeah. is one of the things that I love about it. Um, so the artist here, Adrian yeah. Alf- Alfona, yeah, he uh, this is is this his first kind of big marvel book no i believe that he actually did spider-man loves mary jane before this um, oh yeah because he was part of that team um I... was that before this because <clears throat> um this is really raw for him like uh, especially this these first few chapters um he has very it, it looks very different than what he settles into yeah um, you might be right um because I don't think that Adrian Alfona is the first artist on Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane. It's um, all I remember is that the artist who takes up volume, the second volume, yeah, of uh, Runaways, is the person who is on Spider-Man Mary Jane. I think. Okay. Yeah, I think at some point they kind of swapped. Yeah. Um, because I know I know that he did do some Spider-Man Loves. I. Uh, but even by the end of this book, Japanese artist. Yeah, that's right. That, that does. I can't remember. Well, the, whoever does that. the cover to this book yeah. is the Spider-Man Mary Jane artist. Yes. And and it's it's not the person who's doing the insides. Yeah. Um. But yeah, just the especially the first issue. Look at these huge mouths that he does, and like it's a little bit Humberto Ramos style. Yeah, and there's just some awkward poses and and stuff. It's um. It's very early in his career, you can yeah. see, and then even by the sixth volume, um, he settles into like his very streamlined, um, thin inking style, yeah. and um, and it's just uh, um, he's come into his own in a very quick amount of time. 
yeah for he, sure. he's a great artist to be to be uh, on this book because his focus isn't the action scenes which he still can do really well yeah. but his focus is conveying the talking heads uh which is necessary in this kind of book because there's a, a lot of just talking especially with multiple characters yeah in one scene yeah and teenagers who tend to ramble <laughs> yeah um uh, and be very much into their own situations right so there's a lot of arguing back and forth and and uh, uh second guessing themselves and all that sort of thing yeah um yeah i don't know i don't know uh, i was what, what what else do we want to say about runaways it's it's difficult because because obviously we're talking about this first first volume like we said there's not a lot of plot per se to talk about unless we went through sort of point by point um about each character sort of learning their their place in the team but um well it, it's uh is it six issues yeah it because is. in the first issue they kind of find out about themselves and then yeah. each sub- subsequent issue is spent traveling to each of their homes to kind of just uh get a little hint about what their parents are like and what their yeah. history is like um so each one kind of focuses on each or each issue focuses on each person each character yeah um yeah. and so we peel back the little layers of of mystery um and you learn something special and new about each of our main characters in each issue so it keeps it it keeps it interesting and moving along in that sense um really interesting is the fact that they're that the team is six kids and four of them are girls yeah that doesn't actually happen very often in yeah. comics where the females outnumber the males in the in the yeah in the team for makeup. sure and that is brian k vaughn at work right yeah I, I, he he's he's always been very um progressive in that sense um and uh we've still not read why the last man on 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 the podcast we'll we'll get to it eventually it's, yeah it's on the list but um uh, yeah, and not that as well as the fact that um, uh, they are sort of of different uh, body types and ethnicities as well. Yeah, right. which is which is not something that that you're used to seeing, especially an Asian American character. Yeah, because um, Nico Minoru is Japanese uh, or of Japanese descent, I should say. Um, but I, I, I that is very rare in comics um with the exception of maybe the last couple of years it feels like they're trying to to sort of well they've had them through years but they've been very stereotypical like yeah. you think a sunfire was one Token of the, characters the original yeah. um x-men when they revamped yeah. the x-men in the 70s yeah. right yeah yeah for sure and and there was definitely i i think in what in the third iteration of the justice league they tried to be very because uh, it was Justice League International, right? Yeah. Where where it was like uh, it, all of the heroes were representatives of different parts of the world, but um, <laughs> um, but at, in doing so, because of the time, it was very cliched. Sort of was that uh, the eighties? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think maybe that was Justice League then. International. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, the Denny O'Neill stuff, right? Yeah. I, uh, but, uh, yeah, so, so these are, these characters are real people in runaways and yeah. that's, that's kind of the thing about it is that, 
um, they're almost because they're they're kids, they're street level by nature, right? So it's kind of like having six Peter Parkers in right. one story, um, and that's always been sort of the the staple of the Marvel oh. universe is these characters who, even though they're in this ridiculous, fantastical world, there are so many characters that are very grounded. Um, and that's why I, I don't think you could do this story in the DC universe. It would be, it would, it would take on a very different aspect. Yeah. Um, well, maybe you could do it in the current DC universe because the current DC, DC universe is kind of a little bit more <laughs> like Marvel. But, um, but when I think DC, I think... You know, I the only kid superhero that comes to mind is Billy Batson, and he turns into a magically a man. imbued man. So, <laughs> what about uh, like um, Impulse? Yeah, I guess and, I guess uh, the Teen Titans the do te- kind yep, of fall into that. Titans. But but, um, but the Teen Titans are not very grounded, right? No. Because you end up They're with still all super Dick Grayson, yeah, yeah. It's it's a, a and Superboy and and all that sort of thing, but. Um, yeah, it, it, it's a very it's a very relatable story, uh, Runaways, and I think that that's one of the things that's going to make it really successful as a yeah. TV series. Now, one of the things about the TV series is uh, one of the very notable guest stars in Runaways yeah. is Cloak and Dagger. Yes, and uh, which is Marvel's original Runaways because those two yeah. characters are just teens who went missing because they ran away and got mixed and up in drugs. Very and stuff. interestingly, the week before. They announced the Runaways cast. They announced Cloak and Dagger. Yeah, were were cast. So you bringing I, that up is very interesting. Yeah, I, I want to know. I didn't put that together, but I'll bet you anything. But they're on different networks. Crossover. Yeah, so it, that might take some 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 sort of legal mumbo jumbo. Yeah. but uh, I would love to see Cloak and Dagger show up in Runaways. Well, in 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 the later volumes of Runaways, one of the greatest things is when they run into other heroes. Yeah, um, and and. So, you know, it's obviously a wait and see sort of thing. Like if, if Runaways is hugely popular um, and, and very successful, then they'll start to figure that out, right? Yeah. But I think, I think that points to one of the biggest problems with Marvel at the moment. I shouldn't say biggest problems. The only problem with the MCU at the moment is that there are these three siloed uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, story streams. Yeah. And that is... The Netflix stuff, the TV stuff, and, and the, the movies. movies. Yeah. Um, and now we're segmenting even more with the Hulu stuff. Yeah. And the Cloak and Dagger is going to be on Freeform, so the Freeform stuff. Yeah. Um, so, but if they do want to establish this as a yeah. cohesive uh, universe, bringing making Cloak and Dagger appear for one episode in Runaways yeah. is definitely something. And then eventually having Spider Man show up when oh, yeah. when the Runaways go to New York because that's a really that's a really notable storyline the first time that they go to new york and they run into they run into wolverine they run into spider-man they run into captain america um so far they haven't had any of the big name actors except for samuel jackson yes on the tv any tv series uh so it would it would be quite out there if you know tom holland showed up on an episode of runaways yeah yeah, the I, the only other instance I would say is is that Peggy Carter got her own show, and she's a movie character. But but right, but I mean, well, and like Sif showed up, and um, that's true. And uh, it, Kobe it, Smothers has showed up a couple times, yeah. but like those aren't the A list actors, yeah. though. 
Uh, those are those are a little further down the line. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, that's that's the biggest thing I think that needs to happen, especially with Runaways, is that um, it's important that these characters exist within the context of that larger world. Yeah. It's it, they are a part um, because they're on the West Coast. But here's the thing: the MCU is not like the comics. In the comics, everything happens in New York. Right. Everything happens in Manhattan specifically. <laughs> right. Until the last few years, they've started to branch out a little bit. But well, no, they had West Coast Avengers for the longest time. That's right? true. That's yeah. true. But uh, Alpha in, in the era in the era of Runaways, when this was published, th- nothing was happening on the West Coast. They, yeah, they were just it was yeah. just ignored, and that's kind of one of the premises of the book is that one of the reasons why there are no superheroes in on the West Coast is because the pride. The the supervillains that their the their parents form this supervillain yeah. group, they control the West Coast, and they keep all of their supervillain crime really low key, in a in an effort to avoid the the interference of the superhero community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's this really cool explanation for why none of this stuff ever happens on the West <laughs> Coast. But then fast forward a couple of years. And Iron Man's in San Francisco when he's uh, 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 which version of I, the Superior Iron Man or whatever, right? Um, and uh, I in the movies, Iron Man is on the West Coast in two out of three of them. I no, I guess in all the Iron Man movies, he's on the he's on the West Coast. It's only in the Avengers stuff that he's on the East Coast. So oh yeah, I he's always out of out of his Malibu. Uh, uh, right, so, right, yeah. Um, but yeah, I I so that sort of throws a little bit of a kink in there, but um, but but again, I, that's a minor plot point that doesn't yeah, really sure. matter. Um, and at the point if if they're at the point where they are now, like Iron Man might not hang out in Malibu anymore because his house got blown up. So right, uh, spoilers for Iron Man three. <laughs> I I but yeah, it, it'll be really interesting to see how they how they tackle that stuff, how they manage it, um, and and what what makes it in from the comics and what doesn't. The other thing that'll be really interesting to see is how long it takes them to defeat their parents because it's two volumes in the comics and then they're off and they have to sort of figure out what else to do um, after that main motivation. I could see them ending that part of the story in season one, but... But then where do you go from there? Yeah. Yeah. It might be better to hold that and continue it through season two. The only problem is you don't never know if you're gonna get renewed. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But I I you know, it's it's also a very different it's a very different uh environment to be doing a Hulu show from a regular network show. So right. I who knows I don't even know how many episodes it is or any of that. Yeah, no, I don't know stuff, either. So. But uh we've ended up talking I think more about the, the the potential TV show that we have. Well, that's the okay. Comic, I think but it's, it's, that's fine. Yeah. Um, we'll have to read volume two when the show comes out and then, uh, yeah, talk about yeah, it some more. Totally. Totally. That, that's a good idea. Um, cool. Well, I think that, I think that's it. Uh, for me, did you have anything else you want to say on runaways? Uh, nope. I think, uh, I think we've covered it. Except cool. it's just a great book. It's just a cool. lot of fun. Yeah. It's all ages. So it's, uh, and, and it continues to be great as you go through the series um, until the point where Joss Whedon does does some writing. Brian K. Vaughn <laughs> leaves. And when Brian K. Vaughn leaves, uh, they brought in Joss Whedon to do an arc. And that arc derails the story. It completely oh, derails the story. And everything bad. after that is just kind of 
nonsense. So there's a famous letter in one of the issues of Runaways that Joss Whedon writes in and says, I'm a huge, huge fan. Yeah. Um, Keep it up or whatever. And so that's probably why they got him to write it after. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. But, I mean, you you, um, made the analogy to Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It seems like he would be a natural fit to... To take over the book. yeah, but it was in it was in Joss's weird period where he was like, it was that was like the Firefly Dollhouse period where he was being very experimental and esoteric with his stuff. Okay, um, and sort of taking it in different directions as opposed to keeping it relatable. Yeah, I didn't so, read any of Joss the Joss Whedon stuff. I stopped after Brian K. Bond left. Yeah, um, yeah, it kind of goes off the rails, huh. but well, that's too bad. Um, but but hopefully they can avoid some of those pitfalls with the TV series. L- learn what not to do. Or maybe they'll embrace them. <laughs> maybe they will. <laughs> I guess we'll see. Um, but uh, but I, I guess that's it. That's it for this week, uh, for this episode. Um, yeah, Next in the next episode, we will be talking yeah. about our reader poll, which is Batman Volume 7, Endgame. Yes. And then uh, my pick is... Um, Old Man Logan to tie in with yep. the movie, so we'll have uh, some more movie talk in the in that episode. Um, Old Man Logan by Mark Millar and Steve McNiven. Yeah, um, and then my poll for next month is uh, Superman Rebirth Volume One. So this is the story that takes place immediately after uh, sort of the the rebirth. Um, rebirth was like an event, yeah. or no, sorry, Convergence was the event. And then Rebirth was is the result, the fallout of yeah. that. So, um, Convergence sort of sought to undo some of the mistakes of the New Fifty Two, and uh, and one of those biggest mistakes was what they did to Superman. Will they fix it? We'll find so, out. Yeah. So, um, um, bonus reading for that, if you want to beforehand, is uh, uh, Lois and Clark, um, Volume One, I, I. Which is a convergence tie-in, so uh, convergence slash rebirth tie-in um, that explains a little bit of what we'll get into when we when we talk about Superman Rebirth. Um, but it's a very complicated story that makes very little sense, but is the best way to fix the mistake that they made. So um, I'm very excited to read it. I haven't read it yet, um, but uh, coming off of Lois and Clark, I'm very excited to read it. So well, good. So I'm really looking forward to it. But uh, but that's it for this episode. So thanks. We'll we'll see you next time. Keep reading comics. For more episodes of the Pullbox Podcast, visit us at pullboxpodcast.com or on iTunes. You can find me on various social media websites. Just search for Curtis Findlay. That's Curtis with a K. You can follow me on Twitter at arkwolf a r k w u l f and you know on Tumblr other social medias as well uh, go to patreon.com slash thunderquack to support us where you can kick in as little as a dollar and get a bunch of great rewards the exclusive thunderquack podcast as well as access to the facebook group and by getting access to the facebook group you get that direct line to us to send us suggestions for what we should read on the podcast if you like this podcast you can check out other great podcasts on the thunderquack network by heading to thunderquack.com 